from 88.9 Radio Milwaukee, I'm Jordan Lee. And I'm Piet Levy, music writer for the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. Every week we talk about music coming into Milwaukee and the music coming out of Milwaukee. This is Tapped In. Hello, Piet, and happy holidays. How are you, my friend? Happy holidays, Jordan. Hope it's going well for you. So far, so good. Uh, things have been going good. And now we get ready to uh, get into New Year's celebrations. We're looking at just a few days left here in 2019 and just a few days left here in this decade. Exactly. And in light of that, you've obviously been seeing everywhere everyone's been doing decade lists, and we did that too at the Journal Sentinel. But I really wanted to do a uh, music decade list that focused on the Milwaukee music scene. So you'll find at jsonline.com a list of 20 best Milwaukee songs and albums of the 2010s. Of course, it's not definitive. It's a, it's a conversation piece. Yes. And the conversation wasn't just for me. I didn't want to do my own personal list. Mm. I reached out to 20 different members of the music community really? uh, to get their their picks. And, and they even they couldn't come up with like their top pick, but they talked about a few of their favorites, and I selected from that and created this list. So here were some of the folks that you, you reached out to this year. Yeah, it's, it's really all over the place. I mean, I, I want to have a, a good mix of people. Uh, I wanted to do a lot of musical leaders in the scene. So, like, Chris Porterfield's in there from yep. Field Report. Uh, Nick Woods is in there from uh, Direct Hits. Uh, I talked to Be Free. Cool. Uh, I talked to Luxie, um, you know, and and uh, Classic. I mean, a lot of, like, leaders kind of in the scene from a musical perspective. I also wanted to talk to people who have been watching uh, the music scene really closely. Um, so I talked to, like, Peter Jess, the owner of Shank Hall. Really wanted to have his perspective in there. Um, I talked to uh, Aisha here from Radio Milwaukee uh, since she hosts uh, 414 Live. Really want to get her perspective as well. So she's a voice in this too. Uh, Mark Solheim from the Pap Cedar Group. Cool. Um, so it's it's all sorts of different people. I really want to try to keep it as balanced as I could in terms of you know younger people, older people, people that uh, make music, people that book things. I also wanted to have it balanced with men and women. Yep. Uh, so I try to make it as close to balance as possible because um, I just I feel like the music scene is so diverse. I didn't want I, I didn't want it to be a list of you know twenty opinions just from the from the music right. writer. Yeah, yeah. I no. really wanted there to be lots of musicians and people in the community talking about the community here. Well, and then it becomes our list of the twenty things that were really defined the two thousand tens. And just top line, if you could think of uh, something that kind of uh, seems to be a cohesive theme, or maybe uh, what would be like the biggest takeaway from what people were saying, what would it be? That's really tough because I also went into it with diversity in mind. So yes. there's a lot of different kinds of music on here and things that I didn't even really know myself. Uh, so it was great for me as a music writer who tries to know as much as I can about the music scene to like discover things I just overlooked that sure. was either before my time or even during my time it was a little yeah. bit under the radar. Um, so I think even if you know the music scene, I recommend you check out this article because you'll not only revisit some things you may have forgotten about, but probably discover a lot of new stuff. Um, you know, some things that I noticed, though, looking at this list is how as we went from the 2010s to to modern times, um, <laughs> You know, back in the 2010s, the music scenes and lots of music scenes around the country were very much focused on, like, underground in a lot of ways, yes. right? You know, underground kind of hip-hop or yes. underground rock or, or rock. And, you know, pop was kind of a dirty word, I feel like, at the at the beginning of the decade, right? I would agree. Where, you know, pop was always seen as this kind of shiny thing that's done in L.A., and it's not something that, that that kind of bubbles up from a local community. It's like part of the machine, right? You, yeah, you, exactly. It's like part, that's, yeah, that's their whole thing. They crank out pop stars yeah. somewhere in Los Angeles factory. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And and local music scenes were all you know often came off to me as like a rejection of that, and like we're doing our own thing, yep. DIY yeah, yeah, kind yeah. of thing. As you look through this list, and as as the years went on. Pop didn't become such a dirty word anymore. Mm-hmm. Pop really became part of the fabric of the music scene, whether it's Gold that's represented on here or Lex Allen's represented on here or Mortal Girlfriend. 
Um, you know, there's just a lot of kind of pop material mm. uh, that kind of comes in more toward the end of the decade that I think really indicates that pop, again, it's not a dirty thing. It's, you know, pop is for everyone. And we're in a point where, you, you know, musicians kind of make any kind of music they want thanks to technological advances. Right. They're inspired by more artists than ever before, Absolutely. including mainstream pop artists. And, you know, any sort of snooty, you know, look down like this is out us versus them kind of mentality, I think is kind of shattered. Stay tuned. We're going to dig a little deeper into this list of 20 things that really define the 2010s for the Milwaukee music scene. That's next on Tapped In. Nonprofit Radio Milwaukee is brought to you by you. A membership contribution is your personal commitment to music and to Milwaukee. Visit RadioMilwaukee.org to check out our donor benefits and the thank you gifts you can get to show off your 88.9 pride. It's Tapped In. I'm Jordan Lee from 88.9 Radio Milwaukee. And of course, with me as always is Piet Levy from the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. As we say goodbye to the 2010s, Piet has a wonderful article up at JSOnline.com right now about 20 songs slash albums that really defined the 2010s for the Milwaukee music scene. And Piet, I applaud your approach here and really asking those who are out there making the scene happen, whether it be the musicians, the talent buyers, the venue owners, the writers, the DJs who make our city's scene, uh, asking them what really defined the 2010s for Milwaukee music. Well, thanks. Yeah, no, I, I really wanted to go with that approach versus just me running through a list of my personal favorites. I really wanted as many perspectives as possible. I wish I could do more than 20. At 20, it was still pretty unwieldy. Yeah, and no I really doubt. had big aspirations for going bigger, but my editors were starting to look kind of scared. So, uh, you know. You get a whole section of the paper. <laughs> it's a big one. It's going to be, uh, it's in the Sunday life section. Okay. So it does have some room to breathe. But cool. even then, it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a bit beastly. But if you go to the, the online version too, I mean, the way it's written is it's really short quotes from people. Right. So it's 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 not like that daunting of a read, honestly. And I I meant it, and I embedded uh, all the songs and albums cool. and things in there, so people can kind of go through there, listen to certain things. Again, I, we talked about this in the first part of the podcast. There's stuff on here that I knew about, and there's stuff I didn't know about. Right. You know, as as a music writer who covers music for a living in Milwaukee, uh, so it's it, very exciting for me to like discover a lot of things too. So I think. Any music fan, whether you really know the scene inside and out or not, can find something to discover here. Well, I like our first pick, uh, Kings Go Forth. Who selected this one? Yeah, so Kings Go Forth, uh, they had one album, uh, the one and done, I guess. Yep, so yep. The Outsiders Are Back. Came out in 2010. Vince Kircher, uh, singer and guitarist for Jail and Lynn Resorts, uh, picked this. Um, you know, his quote was basically that, uh, you know, Andy Noble, who's kind of the brainchild of this, this uh, group, uh, he wrote some great songs that had the help of some of the best musicians in Milwaukee. And with David Byrne releasing it, yes. uh, and he did on his Luwakabop yeah, label, uh, they really did notable things for the Milwaukee music scene with that project. I, I think, too, when you look at the decade, there were a few um, acts that really kind of bubbled up in, in a national yes. way yes. thanks to that kind of support. Back when label support mattered, <laughs> still a little no bit. No doubt. Well, right? And, I mean, David Byrne's label, I mean, it, it draws attention to people. Right. And this group got international attention, which yeah. was a really exciting moment for that time in Milwaukee music where you would say, hey, where's where's Dave Wake and CeeLo? Oh, they're, they're in Germany touring yeah. the Kings Go Forth record. Yeah, Pretty yeah. cool. Exactly. <laughs> and, yeah, so some, a lot of really great musicians on there and really just kind of beautiful soul music and uh, just really great stuff. And, and yeah, it, and Vince Kircher knows his stuff, too. I mean, he's an incredible no, songwriter tell. for Jail. And Jail was also an act that got some national and international yes. attention in the 2010s. And, 
you know, I think he was really kind of part of that wave of, of those artists that really kind of broke out and did well from Milwaukee. Absolutely. Another artist who continues to do well, not staying here full time, but always reps the city we love. We're talking about Juice Box. He was selected by Luxie this year on the list. Yeah, which I was uh, a little surprised by her choice, but uh, it, it made sense to me, too, because Juice Box is very much a DIY kind of artist. Yep. And Luxie is very much a DIY kind of artist. Yep. I mean, so Juice Box might be more into kind of the punk and, you know, rap sort yeah. of sphere, and Luxie's more kind of. Uh, ethereal electronica but they still are very similar in a, in a lot of ways in terms of their approach and uh, well I mean Luxie makes video games and Juicebox makes energy drinks I mean they have a diverse <laughs> portfolio of creativity exactly and so Luxie chose Juicebox because she was really inspired by him especially at that time you know she just I think uh, just came back to Milwaukee was just starting to produce music and she'd heard about Juicebox as kind of legend in the music scene who'd been performing mm-hmm. in basements since he was 13 and his shows were just so explosive. And she was just really inspired by the, the way that he just went all out yes. on everything. everything. I mean, Juicebox is not the kind of guy that just, you know, half-asses it. He's no, always full the truth. throttle. And he's like deeply immer- immersed in his art and his craft and everything he touches. And for her, that was really inspiring. And she is too an artist that just is constantly making music constantly just putting everything into it this year she put out like three projects yeah including like a one with attached to a video game and i mean she's always doing that and that's why you know she's such an inspiring artist and that's why i wanted to include her in this voice Mm -hmm. and she picked another inspiring artist for this list i like how be free selected classic now i know that these two are as close as you can get musically they're practically cousins i mean they've known each other since high school but uh, at no time does anyone in the 2010s deny that Classic really arrived in the Milwaukee City. Oh, no, he really did. And we talked in our year in review albums uh, discussion yeah. on this podcast how amazing Quiet is. I mean, he ended the 2010s in a very powerful way. Incredibly powerful way. I mean, that really, I think, is, you know... It's so fresh because it just came out in late November, like right before pe- yeah. as people were like putting together the list and stuff. Um, did it even make the cutoffs for the Radio Milwaukee Music okay, Awards? Okay, here's the story with that. It didn't make it out of the ballot. Yeah. Still won Critics' Choice for Album of the Year. Exactly. There you go. Because it came out so late. Because the critics and, and the staff could not deny it was one of the greatest records released of the year. And we hadn't heard it when we launched the ballot. Right. Exactly. And it is so good. I mean, I think it will... Be an album that people will remember mm-hmm. as we go into the end of the next of uh, this agreed. coming decade as one of the, the key centerpieces of Milwaukee music and creativity. Um, but for Be Free's choice, she uh, and I don't know if she heard quite yet at this point or not, but she picked uh, In the Making, yes, which was kind of his breakout album that yep. came out in 2012. Uh, her quote was really about how she was, you know, I was taken back by the production, I was taken back by the diversity and the uniqueness of this entire body of work. It was breathtaking to me. And it was really a great representation of somebody who could take their jazz studies and combine it with hip-hop and make this whole new thing mm-hmm. their own, which, again, I think is, is very much kind of be freestyle too, where yep. she, she has that kind of jazz kind of quality to her, does her own production as well. And Classic's always been that kind of artist where he, you know, has learned so many things and kind of puts it all into a pot and yep. creates his own sort of special recipe. Um, so, yeah, very special. Well, and Classic not only made it to the list as far as important albums, he was also one of those folks you interviewed for the list this year, and I thought his selection was pretty on point. Yeah, I was definitely going to include, include him on this, and uh, he picked uh, Doomsday by Webster X, uh, the song Doomsday that came out in 2015. 
Um, you know, and, and he said the quote I had was that, you know, there was a very big shift, certainly around him, but around the scene. Yes. Uh, the song was catchy, was different. The, the video, which he's in, yeah. uh, was unique visually, and it was very much a watershed moment. And I absolutely agree with this. I, I almost put my own voice as a selection in here. Uh, but again, it was getting so big, the story. So You didn't want to do 21? Yeah, I thought about it. I was like, oh, man. But I think when I was thinking about it, I was like, what would I say? Yeah. I, would, I would probably pick Doomsday as, like, the song of the mm, decade. Mm. Um, you know, this the song, you know, we're all doomed, we're all doomed, it's not doomsday. I keep coming back to that lyric. Like, I've been coming back to it for years and years and years because it's so simple and it summarizes so many things about... Uh, just about the, the world we live in right now. I mean, and the 2010s <laughs> will be defined as this time where we transitioned from, you know, leadership of, of hope to leadership of divisiveness. Yeah. It will be a time when we remember where where the ugly, quiet haters of the world came out again. And, yeah. and, 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 and you know, uh, politeness and decorum kind of went out the window. Yep. I think that those will be things that really define the 2010s. And this, this song really kind of speaks to that where it's just it's. It speaks to that dread. <laughs> it yes. speaks to that uh, incredible fear, and uh, but it also speaks to hope. And there's mm-hmm. still, gl- even as dark as things have gotten lately, there's still glimmers of hope yep. that is kind of getting us through these dark times. And a lot of that comes from music. A lot of it comes from music like like this song. Uh, and classics, right? Too that this was a watershed moment for the scene. You know, there's been so much great talent in the hip hop scene for years and years and years in Milwaukee. This was kind of the first thing that got big national attention, yeah. I would say. I mean, after, Cuckoo Cow, of course, did. Um, but it had been a bit since something else had happened. And that was defined, honestly, Cuckoo Cow's success, albeit in the 2000s, it was defined in the leftover sound of the 90s. Yeah. This was hands down the 2010s. There was True. nothing about what Webster X was putting out that had any kind of uh, glimmer of the past. It, no. was, it was rooted deeply in the future. Yeah, absolutely. And it was really the first... Thing that got a lot of national attention. Yes. He got attention from Complex Entertainment Weekly, yeah, NPR, and, like a lot yeah, of people were talking. NPR about did, yep, yep. and then you know we saw a change here in terms of the mentality yes. for the hip hop scene, uh, with more national eyeballs on it, not just on him, but of course Ishtar, who did really well, right. and you know Zed Kenzo, and uh, you know Classic Two, and and uh, you know with like Lil Chicken, like getting yes. like, millions of views on his YouTube videos. Uh, you know, toward the end of the, the decade here. And even in, within Milwaukee, the, the mentality around hip-hop changed where, you know, you didn't really see a lot of rap at the at the Cactus Club at the beginning of the decade, and now you right. see a lot of rap a there. Lot. Same with, like, street festivals yep. or at Summerfest where you had a, a, a rapper, a local rapper, headline a stage for the first time with Ishtar. Right. I mean, know? that was, I, honestly, having played at Summerfest in a rap group for many, many years in the early 2000 aughts, uh, the thought of headlining a stage at Summerfest seemed like um, unfathomable I couldn't imagine it happening and knowing Ishtar can do it knowing Webster X can do it like it makes so much sense to me now yeah yeah we're looking for the 2020s and And, beyond and and I think it started with this song it really things really changed with the song it was a watershed moment well, we talked about earlier at the top of the podcast how the word pop kind of evolved from being like a, we want to be the antithesis to this, to almost striving to try to define what pop means in the Milwaukee music scene. And I think the sisters, Reina, transitioning from Vic and Gab to Reina in the 2010s was a huge part of that. And I know that you spoke with them for this list as well. Yeah, I spoke with uh, Gabby Benuelas, the, the singer and the bassist. And uh, I mean, Reina, talk about an incredible, those sisters are such good yes. songwriters. I mean, every song they do is so impeccably crafted and it just seems effortless, but yep. it's it's like obviously really labored over yeah. intensely, <laughs> but the songs are just so immaculate. 
uh, they really know pop songwriting, and they're really great pop songwriters. And I'm hoping in the in the next decade they'll mm-hmm. be getting a lot more attention and be one of the big international success stories in Milwaukee. I think they deserve it. Uh, but uh, Gabby uh, selected Immortal Girlfriend, which is another really inspired choice and makes a lot of sense uh, for their EP Daybreak. Uh, and she had great descriptions for it, of course, being a, a great songwriter. She's like, for me, it sounds nostalgic. It sounds like a hot summer house party. Mm. It's captivating. It's cinematic. I think they captured a feeling. And as a musician, that's what you want to do. Um, and as soon as so you play true. one of the songs, you know it's Immortal Girlfriend. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, totally. And that's one of my favorite things about that group. And I can remember uh, my discovery with them was doing a band camp search. I do this know every couple months at, mm-hmm. at, at my desk i just scour Bandcamp and i yeah. u- i use the location setting i hone in on milwaukee cool. and i just say what's out there oh, you cool. know and a lot of times it's bedroom stuff that is mm-hmm. on par with the music i make which is not very good but you know i applaud it but then every now and then something shines and for yeah. me when i first heard a moral girlfriend i said this is a defined sound period like yeah. there isn't an artist in the world that does this. Now, that's not to say that the retro 80s synth pop vibe is not something that exists. Sure, right. Just the way that the Bush brothers do it, no one else does it that way. Absolutely. And so, again, I think that's another group we'll be seeing really great things yeah. from this decade. They do really wonderful stuff. Another defining moment, I think, that has really chipped the decade for us uh, in, in, in 2010s has been the emergence of really successful Americana, bluegrass, country, and alternative country in this part of the city. Um, we didn't really in the 90s and O's get a lot of attention for that. Mm-hmm. And now I think it's undeniable. We yeah. have artists who can sell out huge rooms in those genres here in the city of Milwaukee. And I thought it was pretty cool that uh, Dead Horses was a part of the conversation as well. In yeah. This piece. yeah, I talked to Sarah Voss, who's a singer and guitarist for Dead Horses. And uh, you're right. I mean, they, they're a band that um, has really emerged and, and is touring all over the country. Uh, and they also are kind of like uh, the next generation from what started in the beginning of the decade, too. Yes. So, you know, in the beginning of the decade, you had the 357 String Band, yep. which uh, kind of created this new energy around, yep. uh, you know, traditional folk and bluegrass, but in a very kind of progressive, um, you know, innovative style. And born out of the punk scene, too. Yeah. Which the Milwaukee punk scene was very, and it still is, but was very strong in the 80s. Yeah. Very strong in the 90s. Yeah. So uh, the, the the roots of that support system then kind of evolved as everyone got a little older into this whole, like, kind of neo-bluegrass thing that yeah. was going on. Right, right. And that, since that did really well, that was really popular beginning of the decade, it led to the success of, like, a Horseshoes and Hand Grenades, which right. has members in Milwaukee. Yep. Success of a Trampled by Turtles. Yep. And then, too, success of Dead Horses, which is not the same kind of group, but they still do some of the jams. Yeah. And also, Dead Horses works with the same people that work with Trampled by Turtles. Yep. Sarah uh, tours with Adam sometimes, and is part of you know, part of that kind of scene, yes, too. Yes, right. Um, so, very different songwriter and approach, but still, I don't know if we'd see the success of Dead Horses if we didn't see what came before it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, it's also notable, too, that this is uh, in the 2000, I don't know, like a 15, 16, you started to see artists to make the migration to to make their roots here in the city of Milwaukee. And I know Sarah, not originally from here, but right. has been, you know, defined that group as being a Milwaukee band. Mm-hmm. And I mean, now in 2019, we've had several bands from all over America who have moved to Milwaukee yeah. to be a part of what's going on here, right. which I also think is a very promising way to start the 2020s. Sarah picked for her choice a group that 
definitely deserves that too. I think we'll get there to the same level uh, of recognition nationally, which is Nickel and Rose. Mm-hmm. And she picked the song Americana. Oh, I love this jam. I love the message of it. I love yeah. the idea of it. And I love that only Nickel and Rose can make this song. Yeah, exactly. So the whole idea of the song is it's it's sung by and written with, by Carl Nichols and Johanna Rose is in this group as well. And uh, the idea is really kind of looking at the, the whitewashing of, of Americana music mm-hmm. and, and how Carl as a black man doesn't really feel like he belongs like he you know the, the voices of, of black artists aren't really embracing the history of black uh, culture in yes. american music isn't yes. really embraced in americana yes and where, what's where's my place in this you know why aren't we talking more about sister rosanna thorpe right. you know, exactly where, where and and, it, and when this song came out i had never had that question posed to me before this song mm-hmm. came out and then i challenged myself professionally as a person who djs wide varieties of music and i said well what do we have represented and and it was nothing yeah, we had this year. Yola was the only national artist that I had in this vein that I was like, and she's an English, woman. Right, right? So, so already it's like, okay, a black English woman is coming overseas, working with Dan Auerbach and making great Americana. Yeah, but Carl's question of where am I, the 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 African American, where am I in this dialogue? I still can't answer the question for him. No, exactly, and uh, so it's a really powerful song and a really important song. Um, for them to have made yeah. and um, they had another song this year another man that also kind of looks at, at yep. the, the issues of systemic racism and this is the kind of stuff that needs to be talked about mm-hmm. in, in the world of folk music and isn't being talked about as much as it should be even though folk has been traditionally yeah. a very kind of progressive right. Right. Uh, you know mentality there still hasn't been quite as much acknowledgement of the, the, the sins I guess of folk music and the the systemic racism whether it was intentional or unintentional right. uh, throughout the generations absolutely um, and Sarah basically said you know as a musician she spent like 10 years now touring with dead horses and just from her perspective the representation for African Americans and for women or other groups it, it's just not there um, you know so this song really kind of it needs to be brought up it shows we have a lot of work to do and I think it'll be a really exciting decade for Nickel and Rose to, to do some of that work and other artists, too, that we don't know about. Well, that's just some of the 20 picks that are available in this article. And I want to remind our listeners, they can go read the full article now, right? Yeah, go to jsonline.com slash music to see it all and, and hear all these different songs and albums and get perspectives from leaders in the scene. Well, again, kudos to you, Piet, on putting together such a comprehensive list and really reaching out to a wide diversity of perspectives. Um, I've always admired that about your approach to what you do and making sure that, you know, we can't talk to everyone, but we could at least try to make sure that everyone sees themselves in the work that we do. Thanks. Thanks, Jordan. Appreciate it. So for those of you who like the work that we do, we remind you to like, subscribe, leave a comment. Tell us about how bad we are at our job or how much you love what we do. Whatever your comments are, we appreciate the feedback. Give us some stars, whether it's one, whether it's five, whatever you're feeling about us. I want to make sure that you have a two-way conversation with us. And remember, you can find us at RadioMilwaukee.org and, of course, at JSOnline.com. This is just the beginning of great conversations, and as we look forward to the new year, we look forward to you staying with us on Tapped In. Tapped In is produced by Kenny Perez. Our handcrafted sonic inspiration comes from the License Lab, and this podcast is supported by you, our contributing members. Piet, I will see you next year for Tapped In. See you next year, Jordan.